about us wanting what we want because our hearts are unbridled so we have it there plain as day shall not commit adultery so let us seek the lord for purity in our own hearts and let us let jesus do the work that he wants to do and i believe in all of our hearts there's work that god wants to do in this area there's not one of us that doesn't have struggles in this area in different ways because we're human But there it is. Each one of us struggles with sin of some kind. It may be lying, it may be stealing, or it may be the topic of today's message, sexual impurity. Whatever the sin, Pastor Daniel reminds us that we need to take the time to work on ridding our lives of them. Jesus has covered our sins with his death on the cross, but that doesn't make them any less potent. The enemy will try to destroy us through our weaknesses, so we need Jesus to help us fight back. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study called The Big Ten. We live in a culture that is wholly against this commandment because Jesus' interpretation of this commandment is that if you lust in your heart for another person, then you've committed adultery already. The reason somebody will act out on adultery in action is because there's a lusting in their hearts. Now, you have to realize that you might say, well, so that's great from this problem for a married person. I'm a single person. It's not my problem. No, it is your problem. And the reason it's your problem is because in the culture that this existed in, everybody was married. Like, people, it was arranged marriages. People got married very, very young. Our equivalent of high school age would be the age that people got married. Your marriages were arranged. And widows, it happened, but they were rare. And so it was a culture where everybody was married. And so the idea of a heart that lusts, one of the things that I always tell people is that a lustful heart is never cured by marriage. So the issue is a heart that wants what it's not supposed to have yet. And you have to realize that outside of marriage, when you act out sexually of whatever sort that it is, you actually are sinning against your future spouse. Now, I say this realizing that you go on the internet and you go onto every site and everything in our culture is actually driving men and women towards lust. Like I go, I love to, I like sports, so I read the sports page. And you look at the little click ads at the bottom. Check out these pictures why the Prince of England or the, is the happiest man in the world and they're all pictures of his wife. Or this thing, or the Victoria's Secrets models, and all the guys on the internet for you girls, these guys who like, you know, they just look like they're just like, you know, perfect little chiseled specimens. <laughs> and you look at this perfect little chiseled specimen, and you look at your husband, and he's got his belly hanging out, and <laughs> he's got drool on his chin, and he's coughing, and you're like, he, he, like, good Lord, right? Like, come on, Lord, how am I, you know? And I bring all this up to say, we live in a world that is, our economy is driven by lust. And 
Then you read something like, you shall not commit adultery, and then you hear Jesus' interpretation, and you realize, we got a big problem. Why does our culture have a broken sexuality? And it's not our culture. Every culture has a broken sexuality. You have to think about this. The union of a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage in physical intimacy is an act of worship. It is the physical manifestation of what God has done spiritually, socially, and emotionally when the two become one flesh. And that is something that is very, very powerful. And every time God creates a powerful picture, Satan's job is always to undercut it, to warp it, and to break it. Same thing with the spiritual gifts. When God is moving in power of the spirit and spiritual gifts, there will always come the counterfeits. Why? Because if it can undermine something that has power, Satan wants to win. That's how you win. You take out the big guns, right? Like in military terms, back in the day, the the most celebrated leader had a special hat on. But then all of a sudden, someone realized, okay, so if the guy with the white hat, if we take him out, no one's going to know what to do. You take out the key thing, and then everybody disperses. And so then after a while, we're like, you know, we're just going to make the people who are the most decorated, we're going to make them look like everybody else on the battlefield, because we don't want to be easy targets. And in a lot of ways, human sexuality was created by God. We were created by God with sexuality for God's glory. But Satan says, okay, if this is for God's glory, and if this is the the physical embodiment of a spiritual reality, the oneness, not only of a man and a woman in marriage, but of Jesus and his church in complete and total oneness, then we need to warp that thing real good. And in a fallen world with fallen hearts like ours, it's easy to take the bait. Because what our culture has done is it's divorced physical intimacy on every level of anything spiritual. Or you have... It's so sly. It's so malicious. Then you have the, no, we'll make it spiritual by making the physical act. We're just going to sprinkle spirituality on it. Which is like, but no, no, no. You're missing the God implications of human sexuality. And I think the problem is, is in a lot of ways, our culture wants to debase us just to bodies and just to animals. But guess what? You're so much more than a body. You are so much more than just a body. Yes, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. But it is a temporary dwelling place. You're more than... This body is temporary. And of course, you get your resurrected body, and that's all tricked out for eternity. That's a whole other discussion for another day. But the reality is you're so much more than a body. And it's amazing when you tell people that. You know, you're so much more than just a body. Like, if everything you do is skin deep, then we call that superficial. The sexuality that we were created with is so much more than just superficial. It's deeply spiritual. So much so that in God's word, there's all these restrictions. Someone always says, I don't like the Bible. It's full of restrictions. No, no. Everything is full of restrictions. One of the ways you know what real love is is to define it by what real love isn't. You have to express positive things in negative ways. When I said before God and before my family to my bride, Lynn, that you're going to be my wife, that means in loving Lynn, I cannot love any other woman the way that I love her. 
So in saying yes positively to my bride, I also said no to every other woman who I could ever meet. So within the yes is a series of no's that come alongside. And God loves the family and he loves marriage and he realizes that when we allow lust to reign in our hearts, we're going to bring that with us wherever we are. And we need to guard that. Now, I know many people are like, okay, so right now, Fusco, like, okay, I'm, I feel condemned, I failed. And listen, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that is exactly why Jesus came. And that is exactly why he lived the life that we should live perfectly, but we failed to do. That's exactly why he died on the cross, because we have failed. And that is exactly why he rose again, to conquer the sin and the death of our lives. So we have to come to Jesus, and we have to confess that stuff to him and say, Lord, you know that this has been my story. These are the struggles in my heart, Lord, and I want you to do a work in me. And you know what happens when you do that? You are forgiven and God does a work in you. Because what happens is whatever your baggage is, and we all have some of it in some way, and in regards to sexuality, we all have a brokenness there in some way, God wants to do a restorative work so that we don't bring the baggage everywhere that we go, but he begins to heal us so that we can be a different kind of a person. If you are a single person right now, You need to guard your personal purity in your heart. You need to do righteous battle. And it's not, it used to be, we used to talk about men this way. But you realize that it's on both sides now. You looked at the popularity of the 50 shades of gray. I think that's what it was called. I didn't see it, but I heard a lot about it. And so, you know, and that's all wired for, it's like mommy porn for women, you know, and it's like, and, it was a New York Times bestseller. It's hugely popular. And it's like, you see what's going on. So we need to guard our hearts. If you're single, you need to save that. God doesn't say no because he's saying not ever. God says no, not yet. And I love that about the Lord. See, that's one of the ways Satan gets in. He says, no, he's saying no, not ever. No, no, he's saying no, not yet. He's saying, hold your horses. He's saying, cool your jets. Just take a breath. Because it's not not ever, it's just not now. And the reason God's saying not now is because he loves you too much for you to hurt yourself and to hurt other people. See, God loves you enough to say, I love you too much for you to hurt yourself. And if you do this, you think you want this, but this will hurt. It won't hurt in the moment, but it will hurt. And we, and don't worry, we won't. But we can go around the room and everyone can share those stories of the decisions that you made in regards to your own sexuality that at the time seemed like something you wanted to do and it ended up hurting. It ended up bringing baggage. And God loves us too much to want us to hurt ourselves. So he puts a guard around it. If you're married, you need to pursue your spouse. You need to pursue them like you were just trying to get them to be your spouse. You need to invest all your energy there. And for those of you, and Crossroads is a big church, so there's a lot of us. For those of you who the grass looks greener on the other side, as I always say, stop watering the wrong lawn. (laughs) If the grass is greener on the other side, you're watering the wrong lawn. You got to water your lawn in your marriage. Because you know what the, listen, you know what the problem is? It's happening like crazy within the people of God. 
Because we live in this world where it's a lust charged world and then every nobody cares about marriage anymore nobody cares that people are married and you have tv shows about people who are they're married and it's all trash and it becomes normalized to us and then we start to think whoa well, so 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 cute and yeah you know married but you know it, what's it hurting god wants us to be a different kind of a people god created the people of God to be the people of God, to be unique in this generation. Every day I said, Lord, I always just want to be the husband of one wife. I want the testimony of my life that Lynn Fusco will be loved. And she'd know that she, and there was no others. And I know that when, with God's help, I can accomplish that and the world will see something different. And brothers and sisters, we need to be passionate about this. Listen, this is an ultimate example of us in the name of Jesus by the power of the Spirit swimming against the the current of a culture. On our sexuality, the idea of purity and holiness, the idea that we're not just by, it's not just by, oh, it was fun and what's the big deal? It's a huge deal. And what's amazing is, is it's never a big deal until the light bulb goes on. And you realize what a big deal it is. As a pastor, I end up walking with people in that stuff. And I hear the stories and I hear people's hearts broken because so-and-so told me they loved me and I did things I shouldn't have done and then they bailed. And now I can't believe I, I thought that was going to be my spouse. And now, you know, this is the deal. And now I'm hurting and I can't believe I did that and I messed up. And once you crack that egg, it's, you can't uncrack the egg. So we need to take this seriously. And the beauty of Jesus is once you crack the egg, he will give us grace when it happens. But we don't want to sin that grace may abound, brothers and sisters. And so I don't know what today looked like. I don't know what yesterday looked like. But we need to take a new start and get at this thing in God's name. Because Jesus died for every lustful thought that passed through our hearts. He took that cross for that. Because you do not love your neighbor when you objectify them and you think about them for selfish things. And isn't that what the lust of the heart is? They're not someone's son or daughter, future husband or wife, someone's mother or father. They're just a body. And it's not about the impact that it has on their life. It's just about us wanting what we want because our hearts are unbridled. So we have it there, plain as day, shall not commit adultery. So let us seek the Lord for purity in our own hearts. And let us let Jesus do the work that he wants to do. And I believe in all of our hearts, there's work that God wants to do in this area. There's not one of us that doesn't have struggles in this area in different ways because we're human. But there it is. Next, the eighth commandment, verse 19 You shall not steal. Okay. So this speaks of taking something that is somebody else's. You shall not steal. And included in you shall not steal is all the ways of scheming to get them to give it to you when they probably shouldn't. Okay? Because you got to say that. Because it's like, listen, talk about systemic, institutionalized sin. So much of our culture is bent on taking what's not ours. Whether it's the way governments make laws, the way it's corporations 
make profits. You know, you start to think through the implications of what this means. And you start saying that when systems are set up institutionally, that we take things because we can, isn't that stealing? It is. It is. So the idea here is that God grants humanity with the basic right of personal property. It's a biblical right. Now, the thing I love about Jesus is that you have the right to your personal property, but when you come to know Jesus, you realize, well, it's really not mine. It's all yours, Lord. And then you begin to steward God's property that he's entrusted to you in a whole different way. And then we talked about that in the Art of Living series, about we live in a culture that's deeply materialistic, Right? And it's like, that's the culture. And listen, I'm not knocking it. I mean, I like the fact that it's like, I can put on a different shirt than I put on yesterday. And you're all grateful that I did it. You know what I mean? And I, you know, and like, so it's not that it's all bad, but what happens is, is in a culture bent on materialism and an economy that is driven by, you have to buy the next thing. I mean, Christmas is not really about Jesus. It's about making sure that all the, the stores reach their sales numbers. So that they can get their profits, their stocks can go up, and, you know. And so like, you have to buy the next thing. And, and we're constantly marketed to so that we buy the next thing, right? So for me, stealing, it's not necessarily only about taking what's not ours. It becomes about what has God entrusted to me and how do I utilize it? Because don't miss the fact, in the book of Malachi, God gives the children of Israel a hard time for not paying tithe because they're stealing from him. Yikes! So stealing is about something greater than just taking something that's not yours. It's about, do I live and steward what God has given and entrusted to me in a way that betrays the person and work of Jesus Christ? Now, I don't know about you. I say that, and I start getting very uncomfortable because I look at my own life. I say, okay, Lord. So if this is what it means, like if me not stewarding the resources that you've entrusted to me in a way that expresses and reflects your heart into the world, then that is stealing. Because there's a way that God wants us to be in the world. When I start talking that way, it reminds me that when Jesus preached, oftentimes people left. Because... It ain't so easy, is it? Because we kind of like our stuff. And we like doing what we want with our stuff. And we like being selfish with our stuff. And then we remember, it's not our stuff. We were bought at a price. We're not our own. We got to honor God with this stuff. And he says, so Lord, what does it look like to honor you with this stuff? And he says, well, this, this, and this. And you're like, yeah, forget that. Yeah, Lord, that sounds fun. Not for me, though. So stealing's got a lot to it. God wants us to honor other people's property. And there's so many laws about that, isn't there? About honoring what somebody else is. And there's all these laws about if you take something from somebody, then you have to restore it. You have to give them a little bit extra for their troubles and all that. And so we want to honor what is other people's. And we also want to see our own lives as God's. And say, Lord, I want the totality of my life to honor you. And so I talked in the Art of Living series about how the needs of the world 
are really met, the compassionate needs of the world should be met by the generosity of the people of God. You know, and oftentimes people lament about what's going on in the world. And I constantly hear the Lord saying, Daniel, don't complain about it. The people of God are my solution to the problems in the world. And then I feel really uncomfortable. Because then you start realizing we're God's plan A to fix the world. And it doesn't matter what party the next president of the United States is from because the government of the United States is not God's plan A to change the world. God already has his people. If we would simply say, we're going to be God's plan A. We're going to see our lives in such a way that we say, we're God's solution to the problem. And then we start saying, Lord, how do you want us to get at that? And then all of a sudden, things start to change in our world. There's a great verse on this idea of not stealing in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, verse 28, I love this. It says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. You know, I want you to notice the flow of this. And I think this is really, but notice it. It says, let him who steals, steal no longer. So in a lot of ways, that's behavior modification. When it says don't steal, then stop stealing. You know what I mean? It's like, you ever see that little clip about someone goes into a therapist and they get the therapist, it's like a joke. And it's like, and then you have to pay by the 15 minute and everything they say, they say, okay, so you don't like the fact that you're scared? Well, stop it. You don't like the fact that you fight with your spouse? Well, stop it. Like, it's like, it's a funny thing. It's like, just stop doing it. And in some ways, there's some wisdom in that. You know what I mean? Like, where it's like, you don't like that? Then stop doing it. Right? And so, thou shalt not steal. Let him who steals steal no longer. Behavior modification. You used to steal, you don't steal. But God's not just interested in, I used to steal and I don't steal anymore. But then notice, but rather, let him labor, working with his hands what is good. So from stealing, now it says, instead of stealing, work. Work with your hands. Rather than letting your work be taking something from someone else, I actually want you to work with your hands and produce something. That's a good step, isn't it? So instead of it's like, I stopped doing this thing, now it's I stopped doing this and I do something else. So you're substituting a bad thing for a better thing. But notice it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't say, well, instead of stealing, work and produce good things. Then it says that he may have something to give him who has need. And that's where the abundant life of Jesus is, I believe. That it's not like I used to steal, so I stopped stealing. Or I used to steal, now I work and I produce something good. No, the gospel is I used to steal, I stopped doing that, and I started working, and I started working when I produced it, I started to help people who had needs. And that's the gospel message. To me, that's the abundant life of Jesus. It's not just getting rid of a bad action or trading a bad action in for a good action. It's trading a bad action in for a good action that becomes a blessing to the world. And in a lot of ways, I believe that's what God wants to do in your life and my life. Take us from the bad action, have us stop doing that, have us substitute the bad action with the good action, but not just stop it. Okay, I don't steal steal anymore. Now I work and I pay my own way and I don't rip people off. And I say, no, no. Then we step on into generosity where we say, now that I'm producing, now I want to help people. Jesus is real. To many of us, stealing is taking something that isn't ours. 
But have we considered what stealing does to our relationship with God? Today, Pastor Daniel examined with us the idea that we can steal from our Creator just as easily as we can from our neighbor. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Can you believe that it's Christmas already? It's a time when we go into the crazy busiest time of the year. Work, Christmas parties, school concerts, shopping for gifts. The list goes on and on. In the midst of the chaos, what would it look like for you to live out Jesus' greatest commandment? My brand new book, Upward, Inward, and Outward, will make a great gift for all the people you know, even strangers. So check it out, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Here's Josh with more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Yes, we do encourage you to visit JesusIsRealRadio.com right now. With your gift of $25 or more, we'll send you a copy of Pastor Daniel's newest book, Upward, Inward, Outward. And we are confident that this will make a wonderful gift this Christmas season. Again, that's available at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel talks with us about lying. God wants us to value telling the truth, the whole truth. And Pastor Daniel will explain the importance of living this commandment out daily. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.